Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Growing up, reporter Jonathan Hirsch's family was a little different. They followed a controversial spiritual leader named Franklin Jones. To Jonathan's parents, Franklin Jones was a god, but to people outside the group, he was a cult leader. Dear Franklin Jones is a new podcast from Stitcher. Join Jonathan on a journey to find out what really happened and whether the group really did become a cult. Subscribe to Dear Franklin Jones in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to the Kundabulu Brothers Podcast, presented by Earwolf. How's it going, Brooklyn? How are you? Thank you. Hello. Welcome to the first ever Kundabulu Brothers Podcast for Earwolf. Yes. I'm Hari Kundabulu. This is my brother, Ashok Kundabulu. Hello. Uh, yep, Ashok Kundabulu. So you will be witnessing two brothers talking to each other and occasionally acknowledging the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been, a, it's been a weird, really weird week. Well, today I went to, get, uh, to give some blood. I think I wasn't giving blood. I was, doing a, I was getting a blood test, right? Mm. And I wanted to sound so... I was giving some blood so I could check for disease. So I was supposed to get blood tests last week, right? Uh, but I'm not particularly good with blood, so I passed out in the doctor's office, um, which is not the first time. Did someone go, ha Like, this is... Th- thanks, Nelson Muntz. Now, last week, it was crazy, because the physician's assistant's really beautiful. Like, I'm trying to, like, you mm. know, chat her up a little bit, right? You know, I'm like, oh, so... Hey. she was beautiful, as you say. She was... That's very, an odd word choice. She was... No, it was accurate. She was beautiful. Okay. It was like very, like, it was like, for me, it was like, what are you, what are you doing here right now? Like, it's just like, really just, I was, I'm sexist. So like, I, as I was saying, I'm lie, like, I, yeah. what, I don't understand, beautiful woman. Why do you, what are you have doing a job? You, you have to, yeah. I don't understand. You need money to pay rent and What's buy food r- to live and eat? She looked Indian. So I'm like, hey, so uh, are you Indian? She's like, no, no, I'm um, Irish and, and Trinidadi, right? So mm. I'm like, all right, all right. That's basically Indian. And... <laughs> And so I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been to Ireland. It's, uh, it's very green. So I was using all my Ireland info, like everything <laughs> I had learned from my trip to Dublin. I'm like, it's, it's green. And we're just chatting and stuff. And then uh, I told her, I'm like, look, I'm not too good with blood. So like, just, let's, just keep, let's just keep talking, mm-hmm. you know? And she puts the needle in. It, it, you know, there's a prick. And so we're just talking and... You know, I'm just like, hey, so uh, did you grow up in New York? Yeah, I grew up in Queens. Oh, I grew up in Queens, too. What you gonna have? We're just doing the whole thing. I'm like, right. oh, we have so much in common, right? <laughs> like, I'm Indian. She looks Indian. Right. We both, <laughs> we both like, you know, grew up Take in Queens. Take the train. And Take the like train. That, yeah. <laughs> so here's a, a classic Kunabola mistake. I'm dragging you into this, but it's really on me. But like, 
I hadn't eaten food the night before because mm. it's a blood test, so I wanted, you know, actually, you no advised excuse. to not eat food. I, no, I ate, I ate it, I ate it like six, like white uh. people dinner time, mm. and like morning, I was like, oh, I don't want to eat in the morning because it'll fuck up the, the blood test for cholesterol and shit, right? So I, I don't eat. You've and I'm been th- told that, though, once again? Is that not true? I thought I that was... So that's for, like, major surgery where you're not supposed to eat. <laughs> People really got ex- to make that explicit. Like, there's too much hamburger in the blood. Did you eat right before this? It's all fucking hamburger in here. And then I'm like, alright, I feel good. It's over. And she's like, uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not good. So I'm like, what happened? And she's like, well, you know, I, we got the blood, but then you have to, they have to put it in the vial. The needle broke while they were putting it in the vial, Ooh. so it didn't go into the thing. And she's like, yeah, there's a bunch of your blood on my shirt. Like, you should not have told me this. And then she's like, well, we're just going to have to do it again. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And I'm losing blood, but I'm like trying to be cool about this because I, I still I, I like this person. I'm trying mm-hmm. to like be cool. You like, think you like them, I think yeah, is well, accurate. No, I had a deep uh, spiritual connection right, right, with them right. at this point. <laughs> so she like does again, puts the needle in, prick again. All of a sudden, I start being like, ah, <laughs> and she's like, what? It's like, I, I, I'm not feeling too well. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm sure you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And the next thing I hear, I don't remember exactly what happened, but the, all of a sudden the next thing I hear is, doctor! And uh, next thing I remember, the paramedics show up. And because they, le- they can't yeah, legally, those, once you pass yeah. out, they got to make sure like if, you, if I hit my head. You know, like, I'm going to die here. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> they get in trouble. <laughs> He, he, he died uh, on the hospital bed. What was happening? Just getting a blood test. <laughs> I had four wisdom teeth removed, I think, the week before I started college, which I went to for, like, three weeks. <laughs> so, like, Dad, like dad drove me to, to go get it. It went, like, kind of odd. I was bleeding a bunch afterwards, but I was, I was whacked out and whatever they give you. So I remember I woke up, and there was a uh, beautiful physician's assistant also in my room. <laughs> Dad was still in the room and the doctor was still in the room. I had just woken up and I remember I looked over. I didn't so really it was know you, where I was. Dad, doctor, physician, assistant. So right. you, they'd given you a bunch of shit right. to put you she on. She was like unstrapping me or some shit. I don't even remember. Yeah. And I started flirting with her and like being like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Dad was watching." I was like, "Dad's here too. Where are you from?" <laughs> and then like they walked me out of the room and then you know we were driving back to the house. I was whacked out. And we drove past a Dwayne Reed, and I remember I was like, Dad, Dad, stop the car, stop the car, I have to go in there. And he's like, are you going to throw up? And I was like, no, 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 I need something in there. So then, you know, he parks the car, like, around back. I had already forgotten what we were doing. I was like, what is this guy doing? I just had this little surgery, and he's fucking stopping here, Dwayne Reed. So we get out, and I, and I like, follow him, and I remember I was upset, because that's what I thought was happening. I was like, to light bulbs and all fucked up. So we get in, and, uh, you know... When we did walk in, he just immediately like ditched me and started walking around looking at random crap. Yeah. I was in the magazine section. I'm still whacked out. And I remember there's a, there a car and driver. And I don't care about cars. I know anything about cars. But it, was, it just looked fascinating. <laughs> and and I, I was imagining like, my life with like a Jeep. Because I think there was like, a Jeep on the cover. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I was like, Dad, Dad, can you buy me this magazine? He was like, all right. <laughs> There's not much more to it. I read The Car and Driver on the way home, kept trying to talk to Dad about cars, and I was like, this one has this review. This one has bad safety. And then I went home, and I woke up. There's blood all over my face because one of the uh, sutures or stitches or whatever opened up. So it was covered in blood, and, and there was a Car and Driver magazine on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
so like, clearly, you know, neither of us are good in hospitals. And, and so this, uh, this last week, my mom had knee surgery. She was getting knee replacement surgery. So she didn't have a roommate in the hospital. So if you're not a patient, you're not allowed to sleep right. in the bed. Not even allowed to sit on the bed. No. With, no, no. with who you're visiting. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. There's no one there for fighting. So what I would do is like fall asleep on that bed and then around like six in the morning before the nurse supervisor would show up to check on mom, I'd sit back in the chair and pretend I fell asleep <laughs> in the chair as if like, oh, clearly the, the, all the sheets have been moved, but okay, right. Spending five days caring for another human being and not thinking about yourself, real new, Sucks, real yeah. new. <laughs> it was like while it was happening, I'm like, this is what I failed to do in previous relationships and friendships <laughs> in my life. Mom's hilarious, like she like, became friends with everybody on that floor. She had nicknames for, like, different people. Like, oh, that's Hot Mama. I'm like, what? When did that happen? I love that. She likes to dance whenever there's music. I'm like, have I been awake the whole time? Like, why, where did you have these nicknames for people? When she was leaving, people were giving her hugs, and people were, yeah. Like, everybody, like, everyone loved Mom. She's like, oh, you know, we want you to come back. Is that true? Is that exaggerated? No, 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 no. It was oh, not. Wow. It was really nice. fucking amazing. Huh. Uh, but, like, while that was happening... You know, people would come in constantly, different people in shifts and stuff. And mom told me, like, yeah, so whenever uh, it was a minority that would come in, I would tell them that my son's a stand-up comic and that they should look up your, your stuff. And they would look it up. And I'm like, why would you do that? Because I knew they would like your stuff and, uh, you know, I'd get better service. <laughs> right. Pretty good. And, and that'd be like, what if it was a white person? I'm like, oh, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> For my safety. <laughs> The first section of our show is the section we call Overrated, Underrated. Our first topic Football. Football. Very overrated. Extremely overrated. Football sucks. Very, very violent. Americano. Eh? Football Americano. It promotes militarism. It pretends that it's, we're doing it for the troops. They don't give a fuck about the troops. They, they, uh, they, this fake idea of American. There's tons of racism. Like the mm. the, the players are the most disposable, mm. right? They they get replaced more because the rosters are so big. Uh, making hot dogs in parking lots. That's like a thing that's celebrated. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck cares about that? Yeah, sounds Very like strange. Shit. What's that called again? Tailgating. Tailgating. Right? That's what that is, right? Yeah. Very the stupid. Hell is that shit? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna have a, a real party before. What are you gonna do? We're gonna go outside in the parking lot and take some grills out, <laughs> paint our faces, and scream and drink beer yeah. out there. Yeah, it's yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's uh, garbage. Real yeah. garbage. Uh, and the general sports thing, you know, being obsessed with these people you don't know and. You know, like, this was my team, you know, it's just some corporation, yeah, it's corny, well, I mean, no. I, I, I 50 year olds obsessed with like 20 year olds and 19 year olds, and everything thinks, <laughs> like, 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 huge sports fans always feel like they know everything and, and that they should be the coach. But when it comes to things like politics, they're like, well, I'll leave that to the professionals, you know, it's the same <laughs> shit. <laughs> I always liked in, like, often in sports, like, it's so different because uh, people are, oh, you know, socialism's terrible, Com- communism's terrible, it's, mm. we're a capitalist system, and as soon as their shitty small market team starts losing, they're like, you know, it's just not a fair system, like, we like Kansas City Royals can't compete, we just don't have enough money as the Yankees, we should distribute mm. the wealth a bit more so our team can get some free, it's like, all right, yeah. you hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, I, I like... <laughs> I lo- it's not like I hate the sport of football. Hate just the, the sport. whole, the whole the stopping and starting, the huddling, the secret plan. Yeah, yeah. 
fucking boring. And it's video games. It's kind of the same thing. Okay. All you, you're not, you're just going to stand there to make sure I don't get beaten up and you're going to get your heads bashed in. <laughs> you two run. You stay here. That's basically it. Mm. At the end of the day, they all, and that's another thing. This, the sport's not going to, football is not going to last forever because of all the CT, the brain injury stuff. Yeah, good. Like all these people are dying. Like when they're 47, like this mm. is like, this is going it's to evil. disappear. Yeah. It's fucking evil. It's a moral quandary to watch the game, support the game. But I still enjoy the, the sport of it. I don't like all the other, I know it's weird. I don't like, I, like the throwing the and the throwing, catching, the catching. <laughs> The you running. can go anywhere for that. They do that in almost all the other sports, too. You like the shape of the ball? Is, is that what it is? It's, but there's something about the... With, oh, there's someone trying to hurt me. I gotta run. There's something very animalistic. So you like that brutal, horrible aspect of it. You know, and, and I know it's wrong. Yeah, I do like it, even though I know the impacts are terrible, right? So here's... I think this is the compromise, because I don't think this is going to last forever, but people no, select the athleticism. Can't. What you got to do, eventually, you know, we're, uh, the robot technology has improved so much, mm-hmm. we just make robots that are essentially like people that just play football, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, these, uh, these robots can throw really far. These robots have to, like, you know, dodge other robots. If a robot gets hit really hard, it's not just an injury. The fucking head might pop off. It's very... <laughs> So it, there's still, like, the degree of the athleticism through these, like, fake humans, these right, robots. Right, And at the same like time, that. no one's, like, dying. Plus, football turns from, a, like, an ultimate jock sport into a nerd sport, right? True. It's a bunch of it's people doing robotics, right? Yeah. You know? It's like the video game Base Wars for Nintendo. Yes, Nintendo. It's very much Remember like that game? Sport. Yeah. In Nintendo Base Wars, uh, you, it was robots playing baseball. Mm-hmm. And if there was a close play at second base, there was no empire. They had to fight. Fight it out mm. to the death. Right. Umpire. He said empire. Yeah. But maybe there was no empire. And it was, uh, you know, there's some backstory <laughs> that was written for Base Wars that just didn't get printed on the back right, of the box right, right. as an error. Right. And then, you know, see, it is what it is. You know, do with it what you may, friends. So we're in a, so ro- robot football. Great idea. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Fu- all right. Fuck you. All right. I like it. That was so I'm different. Sold. It's a good. All right. Overrated. Football Americano. Our next uh, overrated, underrated. Keenan Thompson. Keenan Thompson. <laughs> Keenan Thompson is underrated. Underappreciated. Keenan oh, Thompson is one of the few figures who looks exactly the same from the time he was eight mm. as he does today. Like he spans uh, my, my lifetime and he's always there in some form or another. Just smiling, just smiling. He's consistent. He's been there. That's not for 15 years. Consistent with what? With being, being Keenan Thompson. Moderately funny. <laughs> Limited range. Screw you. Uh, I, I think you've confused him with Kel Mitchell. Oh, now I've divided the audience. <laughs> I think, I mean, look, Kenan Thompson, okay, you also, it's SNL. He has to deal with, like, racist-ass Lorne Michaels. I mean, that he Fair should be for. Fair enough. Like, hello, Lorne. Hey, how's it going, Tracy? It's Kenan. Like, you know that's... All right, Tracy. Maybe if he writes some sort of tell-all or something afterwards. Right now, I, I don't... Kenan Thompson huh. is, like, a black... Not, Jeff- not that this is a meritocracy, but he's been lingering so long on the show. Is he lingering? He's really that good to be doing something else. He's, he's the cement of the show. He keeps that show together. Like, you, you, Black Jeopardy, the host of Black Jeopardy, he's fantastic as that. 
They he he does that. What was that one where he just uh, they just dance? The, the, the weird James Brown kind of. Yeah, like, what's with that? I found that to be weird. What's it called? What's up with uh, that? That's problematic aspect to of, that, of to what's me. up with that. Yeah. What's the problematic aspect of what's up with that? It's a sketch it's where stupid. They have the a dancing, and white people are like, "Look at this friendly, goofy guy." There's something weird about it to me. I don't care for it. I think you're bringing in race into this. Because you know I'm right about Keenan Thompson. So you're like, oh, what angle can I use to deflate? Hurry. Oh, oh, you know, there's something no, racist I, going on. I would on do that, this. but I'm not. I just don't think Keenan Thompson's that funny. That is an I absurd really thing. Keenan Thompson. D- I don't I, think if I was in a room with him, I'd get much out of it. I don't think he'd make me laugh in the room. Well, I, it's not I, my only criterion, but it's a big one. I agree with you. I don't. Big I, one. If I was hanging out with Keenan Thompson, I, I don't think it would be very enjoyable. But he's a professional. That's what I care yeah, about. I didn't say it wasn't... I, might be enjoyable. I just don't think it makes me I'm laugh. not he enjoyable like a nice in a guy, room. Guy. <laughs> like, what does that have to do with it? Mm. No, I, I, I'm saying Kenan Thompson is extremely underrated. Limited range. Uh, I don't think he's overrated because he was over. You know, he was rating Kenan Thompson that I think he's <laughs> properly rated. <laughs> I don't think he's that great. That's just me. All right, and I'm right. All right, next overrated, underrated. PCs. PCs are of. Uh, very underrated. Mm-hmm. Like, majority of the world uses PCs. You know, uh, it's so fundamental to somebody. People can't afford Macs Ubiquitous, all over the world. They're cheap. They're cheap. Hey, easy to pirate software on. Right. Very important, especially uh. in developing world. Like, you just, you mm-hmm. know, you, like, you can't pay for all this shit every year, right? Yeah, it's nutty. Right. All the proprietary crap on the, on the Mac stuff. Right. Uh, my fondest memories with my, my first computer, a 386.25. A Dawson and I had a 486.3.1. We had an HP LaserJet 4L. Still remember the day that came in? Windows 95 with the crazy new GUI. With the, that was a nutty time. Uh, uh. But then I was forced to get my first Mac in 2009 because I, I had to have something that's, that the people that I was working with could use to like edit and stuff. Felt very guilty about it, but then uh, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> I like them a lot. They work real good. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to get a virus. Yeah, they look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah but so it's, it's not bullshit, Macs but, are yeah. better. It's not to say Macs aren't better than PCs, but PCs take all the shit when like they're actually more important, mm-hmm. right? They're like very like th- like they're basic. Like, look, they're disposable razors, right? Essentially, mm. except with really important information, and uh, I have no idea how they work. Right. Uh, Speaking of, remember, uh, whenever I thought, this is how I thought the, the computer would work. When the computer was really slow, what I thought was, well, I will ju- there's just too many files on it. So I would just, like, delete random files mm. that I thought were, like, slowing it down. Because I've right. never heard of an EXE file, mm. right? A show could flip out, like, what just happened to the computer? Why did it shut down? Anyone who knows anything about computers knows that's impossible because you couldn't just delete... An executable file, especially if it was open. It's not, you delete a lot of text files, like the sysinny, winnie, the initiation protocol file. Huh. We're, we're, from, from this part of the podcast, we're going to get a very interesting demographic. <laughs> <laughs> but I just assume, because I think, like, okay, when I'm carrying a lot of stuff, mm. I slow down. So when the computer's carrying a lot of stuff... Mm. So you just delete as much as you can. It gets lighter. I was incorrect. Fun fact, Brian Eno made the Windows 95 startup sound. That pleasant sound. 
did Brian Eno make anything for Max? I don't think so. I don't think so. There's no joke there. I don't think he made any of the stuff on the Max. But yeah, yeah, uh, they're underrated. It's still my thing, though. It's a real classic shit. It's like with androids. People are like, you have an android. What are you, poor? So it's like that. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. all bullshit. They're all there, is, there is some element. Windows phones suck, though, right? I actually, re- actually had a Windows phone like five years ago. I got free. I liked it a lot. I lost it. Yeah. yeah. I lost it in a van. If Macs became more affordable, then would PCs eventually like... I don't know enough about how computers work anymore. I'm out of the game. But is part of the appeal to Macs is that they're like exclusive in some way. There's like a price threshold, right? Like PCs are great too because it's like they don't switch up. Like, okay, oh, you know, you can't use that kind of plug anymore. We got rid of that last you year. Can't have brand right. loyalty to a PC. No one has brand loyalty to Windows. It right, sucks. right, right, right. It's just like I don't have that much money and I'll get this thing. Or yeah. if you know a lot, a lot you of know people get. Like, I'm a Hewlett Packard guy, not a Dell right. guy. Like, no one's like, yeah. A lot of affection for the PC. A lot of affection. Yeah. What's the last one? Therapy. 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 Therapy is underrated. It is unbelievable. I'm a much better person than I was before I went to therapy. I feel like it, it's, it's somebody you could, it feels like a mix of like confession and talking to a really good friend mm. and a doctor. I like the idea of a conversation where the other person just listens and doesn't talk very much. Mm. I like the idea of someone who knows, like, cause, who holds you accountable. Because you know, people say things and your stories change and you justify things. And it's like, well, six months ago you said this. I'm like, fuck, you're right. I did say that. <laughs> was I bullshitting then or am I bullshitting now? I was notes? bullshitting now. Did your therapist take notes when you would speak? I don't know if, because uh, I do it remotely because, like, my therapist moved from uh, New York to Portland and I was moving again to Seattle. in a room together with them? Or when I'm in... Uh, on the, on, on the, weird. So it's all done through Skype or telephone, generally. But still, very good. She's been great in terms of, uh, de- you know, for me, dealing with uh, career stuff, dealing with, like, bad relationships, mm. uh, our, our relationship as brothers. There's been a lot of things. A lot of nutty stuff. A lot of stuff that we've, wa- we've worked through. And I think it's been huge. I think the idea of getting rid of guilt owning up to who you are and what your insecurities are and trying to be to get to a place where you're you're okay with yourself and you realize mm-hmm. that the thing that's most important is is, is you know you functioning at the best of your abilities mm-hmm. where you can actually like love who you are i think that's something i you know i'm, I'm like i feel it's very underrated like it gets right. made fun of all the time i think I mean, obviously good. i like the, those last five things you listed are all good right. for me personally the therapy hated it tried it like three times I, I don't have like a private life like I, i'm not a private person rather so anybody I know even vaguely well, I'll tell them anything, you know, anything and everything, anything I've ever done, everything I want to do, how I feel about everyone I know, you know. So when I went to therapy three times, I was forced to go with my girlfriend. I just didn't. First of all, there's the performative aspect I can't get over. Like I'm there and I'm like, ah, fuck, you know, I'm going to be ha- having to talk for 40 minutes. How do I entertain this person? And then when we started digging into my past, I just don't. I just don't know how to tell a story in a boring, straightforward way, you know? So I'd be like, how do I jazz up this story a little bit? Not lying or anything, but telling it in a fun way, you know? I don't know how to parse it. And also talking, I don't think more talking is going to help me. I need another path. Like meditation, other things, talking more about my issues, 
putting it into words in the mind, not going to help me at all. I can get free therapy off the people I know. When one of them gets tired of me or stops responding, jump to the next guy, jump to the next guy, reset for a week, and then get more free therapy when they show up. You can get at least five to ten minutes per person per day, and on a good day, 30, 40 minutes if they're in a good mood. And that's like hours of free therapy every week. They know everything about you already, you know? And they can be like, no, that's bullshit. You said that, but it's not consistent with how you act because I act, you know, they actually hang out with you. The stranger who you're paying, and what do they know? Like, how much could they even really know about life? Because they had to go to school so long to become a therapist. <laughs> they probably waste all their time doing that. They can really know what's going on. They don't know what's going on in the crazy world. I'm going I'm to put this out here, Sha. I think that you're coming up with excuses to justify your inability to communicate difficult thoughts with another person. That might Wait, to communicate difficult thoughts with a stranger? With a professional. Somebody who, like, you, it's not, it's not I'm first able of all. To, I'm able to. First of all, you're telling me that, well, look, I just use my friends for 10 or 15 minutes, and they have to deal with me because they love me. And it's like, there's a certain, and I did this too, there's a certain hostage-taking when <laughs> sure, sure. your friends love you where they're like, oh, I got to put up with this because I, I, I would have too much guilt if something no, happened. You just got to make it not... a little bit fun. <laughs> so, you know, it's not pure ranting. Sometimes it is, but you jazz it up. Throw in some anger, reveal personal details to them, you know? Yeah, but Try this to is pit, a... talk about the other friends with the other one, because then they're like, oh, I'm the confidant. They get something out of it. They get a boost. I get to get my thing going. I don't have to pay for it. And it brings us all closer if it doesn't, you know, destroy the friendship. And that only rarely happens. And ultimately, I feel it's a good thing, because then, like, you can, if you can't handle the heat and you get out of the kitchen or whatever. Hey, uh, you mind watching like, him? I'm going to go outside and get a sandwich. There's nothing, I, I'm not going to talk my way into any solutions, me personally. I, I can't imagine. We're gonna, I'm going to say the right combination of words or hear the right combination of words, and, and I hear a clicking sound, and I'll be like, oh, it's all good now, you know? For me personally. Okay, and, and I constantly, you, you do constantly think about yourself and talk about yourself, but I think you do. In a weird, narrow way, and you needed that kind of help. I think I think I think about myself in a broader. <laughs> oh, I stand by what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. I only went. To, I went two or three times ever. It's very sporadic. That might be part uh, of the problem. I think so. Yeah. I think there's something about the consistency of it. Which, she didn't take you know. any notes. She remembering everything I say. I talk a lot. 50 minutes? I loved the talking. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun performance, but I'd leave, and I didn't feel any unburdening. I was just like, I killed it. I answer, like, I entertained the shit out of my therapist. I told some great stories, created vivid characters in her mind, including myself, the made-up version of myself. Yeah, yeah. sounds like she should pay I killed you. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the show. Listen, I'm going to... 50 years old, if I'm doing all right, or even if I fail out of life... I'm hitting the woods, I'm going to live in isolation. I don't know what that has to do with this. But anytime anyone disagrees with me now or makes me feel bad, I let them know. So I'll be a distant memory when I'm in the woods. Six dogs, a hawk, a falcon, chopping wood. I'm going to remember any of this. It'll all seem ridiculous. Like I'm standing and talking and people are facing me. Why? I'm just a, guy, a regular guy who chops wood. Feeds his dogs and shit. <laughs> All right, you're good, We're man. All the you're, same. you're good. You don't need therapy, you're right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
This is part of the show where we endorse products, hoping they send us free shit. The product we're endorsing today is Harmless Harvest Coconut Water, which yum, yum. is a superior coconut water. It's the one and only 100% raw, 100% organic, number one best tasting <laughs> coconut, coconut water. water. They, they use Young Thai coconuts. It's the best widely available coconut water in town. Yes. And some of them are pink. You know, they're cute little When you get the pink. the pink ones, it's like tasting ambrosia. Like, it is the nectar of the gods. I mean, yeah, it costs $8 to get one, but... It's true. Cost prohibitive, perhaps. Cost prohibitive. But the mileage you get out of it, right? Intense. And if you, you bought, bought a coconut, they're probably like $20, $30. I drink this. I feel... Wait, what? We go, we go, wait, what? I missed... Huh? Like, a, like, a, like one of those big green coconuts? They're probably like 10 bucks. I don't know. They sell those... So you're, you're saying that a good reason to get this is because... Well, it's le- well, you get more of the water than buying a bunch of the coconuts to get that amount. So you're thinking people are buying coconuts, bringing them home, chopping them. People do that, yeah. Have any of you done that regularly? Coconuts, I've seen it. I've seen people bring those big green coconuts home and they chop it with the machetes. What, in what neighborhood in Brooklyn are you seeing this? Oh, I, I worked at a raw food factory once, and I saw a white guy do it. <laughs> but wherever he was getting those coconuts, you know, many people went to buy coconuts. Either way, best coconut uh, water on the market. I'm telling you, it has changed my mm-hmm. life dramatically. I went from not feeling as good to feeling better. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break, but don't leave, because there's going to be more Kundabolu brothers. Well, no, there's, there's just going to be the two of us, but there'll be more show. Guess what? Our friend Cameron Esposito is bringing her show Query to Earwolf. That's right. Earwolf is getting queerwolfed. Does that make sense? I don't know. Sit in on conversations between host and stand-up comic Cameron Esposito and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query has featured guests like Tegan and Sarah, Evan Rachel Wood, and Jill Soloway. The show explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. The first episode drops March 5th with special guest Lena Waithe. Make sure to listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Earwolf.com. All right, back to the show. The next section of our show is called... That One Time in India... Yes. In 1994, my brother and I uh, went to my grandmother's village. It's a, it's a small town, so it's like several million people in India, um, <laughs> called, called Tenali, right? And so we go to Tenali, and we stayed the whole summer there, so we became friends with all the kids in the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. And they were really like, holy crap, Americans. So we like all summer we played with these kids. We played like Uno tournaments mm-hmm. and we like taught them baseball. They tried to teach us cricket. We were not interested. No. Um, and, and we played baseball and it's like there wasn't really room for baseball. And it's also like a small town in India. So it's like we play baseball, but there were weird rules. Like if it hits a buffalo, it's a double. Yeah. Like it's like and also like we were playing and then there was like it was like monsoon season. And so the place we played then became a lake. Uh, and so we can no longer play. 
So we were uh, one day we were walking past what was now a lake after monsoon season, after a big one, and uh, there's a bunch of ducks that were on this like newly created lake, and so like it's it's a bunch of like young boys being assholes, so everyone's like skipping stones at the ducks, right, trying to hit one of these ducks, and so I wanted to like like one up everybody, yeah. right, like oh, I could fucking top that, so. <laughs> I took a brick and I chucked it, and I, it's when I, I, n- I have never had good aim except that once I hit a duck square in the back, the duck started sinking. The other ducks around it started to come around as if to like push it, but there was nothing they could do. It sank I'm, very slowly as well, so yes. they had time to swing around. Yeah. Like I remember that. I'm horrified. Like, what the fuck did I just do? And like everyone was kind of stunned, but then they they like were like, oh, Harry's upset. Uh, oh, it's okay. Let's just keep walking. Yeah. And then we walk by it, and it's the worst thing I have ever done in my life. Like, I fucking killed a duck with a brick. <laughs> like that is awful. Is it is it is it stuck in your mind? Is it viscerally think, in there? I think about that at least once every two weeks. You see it going down. The, I don't see it going down as much as I remember the the piece of brick yeah. hitting the thing and yeah. and it, it was just an awful sound right. and me just like because like it, it like the the wings or whatever kind of right. ruffled and it's the like thrashing was horrible. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, it's it's I. Part, like sometimes I think to myself, well, look, people do a lot of terrible things in their life. Right. You've lived a good life if you've only done like something that that's you right. know if that's the worst thing you've done. But then I think to myself, no, that's pretty fucking awful. Right. Uh, some twelve-year-old kid took a brick because he was a twelve-year-old kid and fucking destroyed a duck's spine. Mm. He didn't seem to have made anything bigger of it either. Like, oh. I committed an act of brutality against this duck. Maybe I shouldn't later that night eat the dead bodies of chickens and goats because I see that, you know, it's wrong now. Because it made me-, me feel bad that I witnessed killing this duck and because I killed it. You know, but now here I am, a coward, buying, you know, prepackaged body parts of animals that I'm not killing with <laughs> my own hand the way I killed that duck, so it's fine. Because somebody, you know, these were mass you know, grown and slaughtered in a factory somewhere and prepackaged for me and I don't have to, you know, see it sinking and all its friends rallying around it. So in that way, it should have sparked a change. I'm just saying if you want to, if you want to make amends, even now, late, late in life. And that ends our segment, That Time in India. <laughs> Final section of the show is called What do you think about this thing? First up Professional wrestling Professional wrestling is You know, it's weird It's, it's, it's I hate to say it's very good It is very enjoyable to watch As someone who believes in social justice And who believes in like Has certain values Very inconsistent with those things Sure But so much fun Ridiculous What two is pe- the overacting? Two people having an argument how do we settle this conflict? We will fight publicly in our underwear. <laughs> Can we talk it out? No. Can we fight outside of this particular ring? No. <laughs> Only in this ring in front of people, 
preferably that paid to see us fight. It's ridiculous. You bring chairs in and you hit people with the chairs and somehow the police never, never show involved. up. Huh. People bleeding. Paramedics never show up. People die in the storylines. There is a coffin that somehow goes to hell underneath the fucking stadium. How does that make sense? Unbelievable production value. Just ridiculous shit. How is that not enjoyable? That is a, it is one, and I don't even watch it regularly, but I will still watch it every now and then be like, this is fucking great. I mean, I get the same time. I don't want anyone to ever catch me watching it. Mm. I feel uncomfortable sharing this with everybody. This feels embarrassing. <laughs> I was about to rip into it, but you convinced me, kind of, yeah. All that stuff is true. If you can get through the racism, sexism, homophobia, mm. transphobia, classism, the fact the money is going to this evil billionaire... And, you know, the promotion of violence to young people. Pretty fucking great. <laughs> moving on, moving yeah. on. Formal wear. All formal wear, like Western formal wear and suits being like the standard way to dress, like in Mexico. I hate that. It's all crazy. It's all like European court wear from the 1600s was like, you know, went through all these permutations through colonialism and racism and imperialism. And it, we ended up with these hideous things that are uncomfortable, corny, swagless, for lack of a better word. And they only come in like black, blue, gray are the colors. Brown's a little weird, but anything else is just like, oh, that's a tasteless suit. That red suit, it's, it's racist and weird. Yeah. They're crappy, they're uncomfortable. I feel bow ties are corny. It's like an attempt to kind of swag up a, a formal thing that's corny, that's rude in, in badness. So I don't like bow ties. It's also, like in other cultures, when people dress up formally, it's incredible. Like yeah. the amount of the colors and like gold or whatever it is. There's always something like it's either shiny or bright or very intricate. Mm. And like when Europeans dress up, it's like, okay, let's dress up. Pant, shirt. Right. A shirt that's, that's even heavier that we'll call a jacket. Piece of fabric. That, I mean, that's for a year. That's the, and then women, it's just like, I'm going to wear a nicer dress than normal. Like, that is what formal has generally meant. It's like, I mean, while in India, it's like, Ma, well, what are you wearing? I'm going to uh, wrap the best silk around my body. And meanwhile, it's like, pant, shirt. Another shirt. What color? Blue, black. That's it. <laughs> it's stupid. It's ridiculous. To the point, to the point where if you were successful enough in your career at any point, would you consider not wearing Western style, style suits to formal things? Like, even if you're invited, you mean like you're like, at the Oscars, say. You mean if I just wore. You're the big H man, you're at the Oscars, you're crazy movies out. I'll walk out wearing a loincloth, is that what you're asking me? Because <laughs> I that? might, I might. No, just uh, not wearing a suit, wear like, wear like formal Indian gloves or whatever. I would do that. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm like, like like a Kurt the shirt, right? With yeah. like a uh, buck, buck, buck the whole suit thing. But the one I'm wearing on the bottom then, like Kurt the, like, like, like I don't a, know what South Indian male formal wear is. That's what I don't get either, because right. it's all like North right. Indian shit. Dad just so. wears a fucking suit, or he wears a lungi in the house. Yeah. So it's not really much in between. It's always what Dad always wears suits. Yeah, in tight. India, too, he wears suits, and it's like 100 degrees, and Dad's wearing suits. I'm like, Dad, why are you wearing a suit at this thing? He's like, well, everybody knows me as the guy who wears the suits. Suit guy. It's, 
Like, that's not a reason to be that uncomfortable. You know, I don't think people are, like, tracking what you're wearing <laughs> regularly. Did you see him not wearing a tie? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about these thin ties? Instead of these, the big, t- you know how, like... Oh, I, I really do hate... Like, some people, obviously, they, you know, look all right in suits, but I hate from where I think it's all corny. Yeah. The little modifications to them and, like, the skinny fit and, like, all that yeah. crap. And it's, all, it's all shit. Shining up a turd. Western style suits, not that good. I don't like them. Also, cufflinks are like ridiculous things. You already have buttons, but it's like, I'm going to just put a little thing right mm. where, the, where the, the sleeve comes together because I want to be extra fancy. I'm like, that is lame, man. That's like a uh, tie pin. Tie clips. Yeah. That's all you got? How much you can do there? Yeah. The, the handkerchief stuff, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all weird crap. I hate it. All right, next topic. Cuddling. Fucking love cuddling. I think I do hate the fact that there is a cuddling industry now. I think in, in Portland, unfortunately, where... What is that? You hire people to cuddle with you? Yeah, like this person's like, I will cuddle for you for this oh, amount of money. Which, someone with, for sad. that fake intimacy? That's, that's odd. It's very sad. It's odd. Very sad. Fake yeah. intimacy. Therapist, fake intimacy? I'm not saying that that's what it is. So you think about whatever works, though life's hard. That's the most important thing, whatever works for you. What do you think of cuddling? What's your opinion of it? Never been a huge part of my life. We we counts uh, spooning on the sofa and watching TV. Yeah, that counts as cuddling. That counts as cuddling. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. We got a big thing in our house. We call it dual lie down. We had this wider sofa a couple years ago. It's purple. It's when I lay down and she lays down, but it's foot to head. And that allows one of us to watch TV and the other one can uh, read a magazine or just pass out. And there's more space on the sofa. We can do whatever we want. Makes things easier. Wait, that's not cuddling, but I love that. Because you're sharing heat. We call it share heat. We like to cuddle under the blanket, get under. We like sharing heat. We're sharing heat in the in the winter. That kind of stuff I like. Yeah. But uh, well, that was odd. But uh, it's just never been a big. I've been in a relationship for like nine years now, and we uh, the cuddling it usually involves the talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't uh, we don't talk like that in that way. What do you mean? Like, we just, uh, we don't like having long conversations about things without any sort of media on a screen around, or if we're walking around. Yeah. But after nine years, it's like, you know, what am I going to talk about? The stupid shows and crap I want to make and dumb ideas? And when she talks about, like, all that journalism crap, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then before that, uh, I think I was too, too insecure to, to get into a big, big cuddling things. I'd, I'd always squirm off or smoke a cigarette or something. Yeah, so it's just I don't know much about it. This is weird. This makes me feel now. I feel I feel like in this context of this show, this sounds like it's coming right out of the therapy thing. <laughs> and I know I know people are thinking that. Yeah. This maybe essentially right. is an maybe intervention. Right, actually, is what yeah. it is. Huh. Well, maybe it's the therapist because she should ask me random questions like that. Yeah, yeah. and taking notes. Yeah. Matt, while you were saying the thing I was, like, fixed on was you've been together for nine years. Like, how am I... Like, I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that you don't have your shit together. I'm just saying I have my shit together. Like, Mm. I don't understand. You don't understand why you're not winning in love? What don't you understand? Well, like, first of all, I feel like... Like, I I have this body, which is great. Like, it... (laughs) It's very... Fuck you for not clapping. 
Because you might think, well, you're not particularly in shape. Yeah, well, why does that matter for cuddling? Like, you're talking about my body heat is nuts. You, you emit a lot of heat. I emit a great deal of heat. Wow. Now's your time to strike, baby. Look, I'm not... I'm, it's cold out. It's cold I'll, t- out. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I'm not, I'm not summer hot. I'm winter hot. In the winter, I'm the one. I had a th- every, like every major relationship I had, I don't know if this is a normal thing, every girlfriend I had would uh, take their feet and uh, like put it on my stomach for heat, and then I would start screaming, stop it, stop it, I don't like it. Mm. And then they would say, shut up. And it, it was weird because both uh, major relationships, very different personalities. But the, the, foot, the foot thing was... The foot thing was consistent. Very uh, bizarre. Very bizarre. Mm. And so almost, you, you envy me for being in a long-term relationship? Is that what's going on? I, I thought envy, it's more curiosity. Mm. Like, I think, like, how did you pull it off? Like, because I can't, I don't understand why, like... You know, maybe I travel a lot. I just don't get like I. I just have all these winning traits, and I just don't understand. I believe in the idea of romance. I believe in the idea of meeting another that's human being. The, that's the problem, right there. You're pedestalizing this uh, romantic love crap they're peddling. You know, and as as much of an idiot as I am, I feel like I'm emotionally mature in in, in ways that you aren't. And I'm not, I don't chase after the intensity of fresh love, you know? And that's what you're calling romantic, that you've been uh, brainwashed by some stupid crap you saw when you were a kid, maybe, or a teenager, and uh, now you're, you're chasing after that. What day is it today? It's Friday? I don't have my next session until Monday. Because <laughs> uh, that's a shame. That's a shame right now. Yeah. yeah, maybe I am chasing a romantic ideal of love. Mm. But I don't. Well, how do, I think that means that if it is achieved, it is it is incredible. It could be uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Why why should I be? I like- would say I would say a good a good a good field experiment is find couples that you think are deeply madly in love that you're like I wish I was in a thing like that, and try to really parse what it is that has kept them together. It's going to be a lot of routines and a lot of patience, and less like oh we just fuck all the time and then we talk for five hours. And then we go skydiving. It's not going to be like that. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be like that. <laughs> I, but that's not It's what... a lot of like, well, we built a little uh, room where I work on the computer. And, uh, you know, uh, we got one of those beds where it goes like that. And I can control her <laughs> part with the snoring. It's like shit like that. A lot of it is. All right, now this last section is something that we, we've called, and this is something between me and my brother. We call it um, Q&A. All right. We got an email to our Kundabolu uh, brothers at Gmail address. This is from a fan. Hi, Kundabolu brothers. I'd like to thank Hurry for inspiring me to try my hand at stand-up comedy. Right? Already I feel guilty <laughs> anybody would do comedy because of me. A question for you both, though. Any advice for how to relate my Indian American experiences to a general audience, which mostly turns out to be a white audience? And should I try to avoid the perception that all my jokes are either about being Indian or should I embrace it? Thanks, and looking forward to the first show, Ajay. 
Mm. I mean, I think that you're thinking too much. Yeah, I think you, you can't just gotta, ask someone a question that broad. What's what not, I say? think it's almost too. Yeah, it's a little broad, but it's also right. kind of like f- focusing in on all these little like, right. like just. Do it, man. Like, right. what are you this worried about? I'd have like, to hear it. I it's would like, say well, I just cr- want to know what is the right combination of white and not white stuff. <laughs> with it? so, there's no. You go on stage, you say something, you see how you feel about it, yeah. right? Like, uh, my parents smell like curry. They're laughing. Do I feel good about them laughing? Mm. I don't feel good about them laughing. What am I saying? I will never say that again. And that's like, you know. That's, I mean, that's the process assuming that I lot, went through. That's but asking like, a lot of them, though, that they'd have that, that the laughing wouldn't blind them to what they were saying. I feel like if, if they were out there and, they, and all they wanted were for people to laugh and for, the, for them to be able to tell jokes, when they do that kind of sellout stuff and people are laughing, I don't think that they would be self-aware enough, per well, se. To, well, Ajay yeah. would be, because clearly he's, he's already planned, like, this, it's like when comics come up to me and, and say, hey, man, how do I get an agent? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how long have you been doing it? And they say four months. I'm like, well, then, right. no, you're not getting an right. agent. Do it for a bunch and see if you can be good at what it is you're trying to do. Right. I think this is, yeah. it's, I think this is too much thought. And I understand some of it because I've been in that situation where like, I do stand up and it's mostly white audiences. And it'd be like, you know, what I used to do is okay, I'll give one for them and one for me. Right. <laughs> Here's a joke about my family. Here's a joke where I tell you to go fuck yourself. And... It's very inconsistent and confusing for the audience. Because mm. the way he likes us, he doesn't like us. Like, it's weird, but I did that as a way of like a give and take. And then that felt really annoying. It's like, well, I'm not really being me. I have to play this mm. stupid game. So it's just a matter of like, okay, I'm going to talk about like race. I'm going to talk about the shit I think is interesting. I'm going to talk about pop culture and family. Mm. All in the same voice. And they, they kind of all blend together because it's the same person. Mm. So I think ultimately you got to figure out who you are and right, who you exactly. are on stage. And, and all those self, things. True self-expression yeah. and an extension of your beliefs that you know are modified like a bit to be entertaining. Like me talking about like, being disappointed with Weezer, you, and America is like all... The same guy, you know what I mean? Mm, right. It like all integrated. Of, yes, and I mm. think that's I think that's what it, you have mm. to do. I think, and I understand this too. Just like I think race, especially in the vulnerability of stand-up, like it's just a human being with no net. Essentially, you're talking with a microphone, no production values, and you're a person of color, so you already mm. feel extra judged because everything you right. say is, you know, especially like ten years ago, it's like this is the only one of those I've ever heard talk. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I had to, when I, in, in like, two, like 2005, I had to deal with people who were surprised I spoke this way mm. in Seattle. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of that shit you gotta, you gotta figure out, and there's no clear. You should you know, do real art, like movies. That's my advice. <laughs> or music. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't do music. I was a dancer. I was saying, though. Movies, music. Were you a dancer? Were you painting. Like technically, yeah, dance around. You, you were I dance for money. I was, I was all right at it. You were a hype man in a rap group. I didn't like the hype man thing. I was, I, I was a roadie. I was a, a backup dancer. That's what I did. Moral support. You know that hype man stuff. I didn't care for that. Well, that's our show for this evening. <laughs> so thanks to very much. Uh, again, you've been wonderful. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to the Kundabola Brothers Podcast, presented by Earwolf. Hi, I'm Cameron Esposito, and I am so excited to bring the latest season of my show, Query, 
to Earwolf. That's right, Earwolf is now Queerwolf. On Query, I've interviewed some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ community. That's what it is. It's like a hour-long chat show, like a WTF, with me and another queer guest. I've had musicians Tegan and Sarah Quinn of the band Tegan and Sarah, actors like Jeffrey Boyer Chapman and Evan Rachel Wood. I've had transparent creator Jill Soloway, activists like Madden Lopez. The season premiere is out now with special guest Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Listen and subscribe to Query Today on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Earwolf.com. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que nos está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Oh, donde sea. Spanish Aki Presents. Emmy Award winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in LA, a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.